Thank you for listening to Paper Napkin. I'm Kendra Rogers. This episode is with Tara Fleming, a mentor, friend, and idol of mine. I don't say idol flippantly. I honestly do admire her so incredibly deeply. She is a fiercely compassionate businesswoman who pours her soul into the work she believes in. She is purposeful in her contributions to people and causes that she cares about, bringing meaning and depth to her interactions. She has overcome great obstacles while maintaining her compassion, honesty, optimism, and kindness. Tara is an incredible mom, a friend, communicator, and is enthusiastic about the outdoors. Tara always challenges me to think differently. In our chat, we spoke openly about vulnerability, grief, change, and transformation, burnout, and debated the term resilience. You've heard that debate before. She added some really interesting perspectives, though, that I think you'll enjoy. I really can't wait to share this conversation with you all. When I was younger, I had a lot of hardships, and that has made me more equipped to handle things now that I see brings others to their knees. But that gives me empathy to be able to get down there with them and be like, this is going to be okay. We can get through this. Tara, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast for a number of reasons, because you have been an inspiration for this podcast, because you've been an inspiration in my life, because you, I think, embody connection, whether or not you maybe always realize that you do, in my mind at least. And I think we're going to have a great chat, but the first question I'm going to ask you is simple and complex at the same time. It's what do you do and why do you do it? You mean professionally or in my life? I'm not sure how to answer that one necessarily, but professionally, I'll start there. I'm a founder of a small marketing communications consultancy. I focus a lot on arts and culture and also cause marketing. So things that I identify as important to me throughout my career, I've had lots of opportunity to work on things I don't care about. And lately my focus has been on things that really matter to me. So things around the environment, around mental health, youth and arts in our community are really important to me. A lot of my clients now are really aligned to that. So that's what I do professionally. I'm a mom, I'm a friend. I'm a huge outdoors person and yeah, I also like you love connections. So I'm happy to be here and chat with you about it. And why do you do the things that you do? You mentioned that you, you know, love to be connected to community and you definitely have sort of a social justice lens. I think to the work that you do, you care a lot about the world, but why, why do you do it? I do it because I had a pretty tumultuous upbringing and I had a lot of people step in my life and really connect deeply with me, which had a profound impact on the outcomes I've had in my life. So because of that, I think connection is everything and everything we do, whether we connect with nature or friends or the work we do. I don't know. I can't, I guess it's like breathing, right? I can't explain why I just, I just need that. And I've had people do it for me. So I just want to continue that good energy. The idea that you've had people step up for you. And so you have stepped up for other people is so beautiful. I think in the sort of cyclical nature of it, how do you connect? So I I thought a lot about this question prior to the interview. And I think one of the things for me is like, there's this idea that connection is something that, that you do for me to make me feel 
included or valued, which I think is true. But so for me, how I connect is it's like that reverse engineering. How do I connect outwardly? What do I learn about you? What do you need? What do my children need? And it looks different for every single thing. So I can't say I connect in the following ways because it looks different for every connection point. I think the key thread that runs through that for me is just listening. So what do you need to feel connected to me? And what does my work need from me? And trying to really deeply understand that because then I can come from a place of giving versus taking. And I think in life in general, if, if all I'm doing is taking, then you know I'm also not going to be able to receive. Do you think that when you are giving versus taking, that when you are learning about other people, when you are communicating this idea of what do you need and I'm here for what you need, is there a foundation that needs to come first, a connection to yourself that enables you to give that to other people? Sure. Understanding who you are as a person and what you have to offer to the world is is fine and it's one thing, but I learned so much from other people, from just listening to other people and understanding where they're coming from and having this very empathetic position on things. Like I don't know everything and I am curious and I want to know. And if I actively listen to you and I try to understand where you're coming from, you may not be able to give that to me in return and and maybe our connection will fizzle out. But eventually I think I'll find and have found those connections where it's reciprocal, right? And regardless of where someone's at in their ability to do that, you know, empathetically listening and understanding, trying to understand where someone's coming from is the basis and the foundation of connection in my mind. I'll never connect with you if I can at least try to step in your shoes and see where you are at or where you've come from or how my bias affects my outlook on things. So yeah, I guess it's curiosity, empathy, and just really listening. To me, that's where connection comes for me. Curiosity and empathy, I think, are such beautiful qualities and definitely qualities that I can see in you. Are they qualities that you've always had? I think perhaps. I actually think they're qualities that everybody has. It's whether or not you turn inward to develop those or whether you look externally for that to be, you know, delivered to you somehow, right? Like maybe it's my experience growing up, you know, I... I aged out of the foster system, so I I experienced things. So then when I feel pain in others, I know what that feels like. But I think you can get there anyways. It's a growth mindset. It's a positive mindset that takes practice and knowing yourself. But I think it's like any other muscle, you know, if you use it, you grow it. And the more you grow it, the stronger it becomes. And now when I think about my work and my connections and my relationships with anyone, to me, that's the foundation of it. You know, when I get off track, it's usually like, am I listening? Am I hearing? Am I empathetic? Because most of the time, if I'm getting off track, it's because I'm not, right? I've put up a wall. I'm not hearing. I'm not listening. So I just have to return back to the practice of doing that work to stay in that space. And I, I do think it's possible. It just requires a different way of thinking about it. And is that what meaningful connection looks like to you? That is what meaningful connection looks like. Yeah, I think so. It's not always fulfilling. It's not always easy. It's sometimes really painful. 
it can be beautiful, it can be messy, it can pivot, it can evolve, it can dissolve, all of those things. But but yeah, definitely, I think, you know, constantly returning back to that empathetic, caring, giving space. And hopefully it's reciprocated on the other end, right? And I think in my bio, I wrote something about how I'm not for everyone and I'm finally okay with that. And so I think in my life right now, it's this space of like, you know, I do want to find connections with people who I can connect with, but I'll always seek that out, whether or not it lands flat on someone or not. I'll just, you know, find a new place to put that connection. But I think you have to keep trying. We all have to just keep trying. That's how we're going to make impacts on the things that matter to all of us, regardless of what that is. That really spoke to me, this idea of keep trying, because I think that there is sometimes a worry about rejection or a worry that you aren't going to be well-received when you reach out and you try and connect. And you said that you may not be for everyone. You said that you just have to keep trying. I love both of those sentences, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure about the, you're not for everyone. I think I understand where you're coming from. Like the, you finally get to the point where you realize, but maybe it's not that you're not for everyone. It's just that you don't need to have the same types of relationships with everyone. I don't know. Maybe. I do think also that trying to please everyone or trying to connect with everyone, sometimes you're just not going to be able to, right? And that that's okay. That you can be your whole self, your real self, show up as you are, and maybe you aren't going to be for everybody. It doesn't mean that you can't be empathetic to try and understand what they need or where they're coming from. So I'm not saying make yourself malleable to fit into what they need from you. I'm saying know yourself, be yourself, try to connect, but that it's okay if it doesn't work out. It's okay if it dissolves or it falls apart or it looks different for a while. It's that you're open to it, to giving it and receiving. Someone told me once that, you know, staying open, you, you make space for things to come in and you don't know what those things are going to be. And if you stay closed and you don't stay open to connection, you're pretty much guaranteed the box you're in is where you are, right? The connections you have, the people you have, the views you have the work you have, it's going to stay static. So this idea of, you know, knowing who you are, but staying really open, I think is important part of, of connection. And yeah, sometimes you're just not for everyone and that's okay too. Like kind of gives you an out, right? Kind of gives you that like, peace out, I'm not for you and that's okay. It's very liberating. You know, like now I understand a little bit more of what you were saying because you're, it's from the people pleaser perspective, right? It's the idea that your worth does not come from other people, maybe. And the idea that your value is in remaining open to new experiences. I also think that sometimes, you know, connection doesn't mean that you connect with every single person or that every project is for you or that you're going to get it right all the time. For me, what it means is that I can be good in my skin with who I am and that sometimes I won't be able to connect with you. And I might not be for you and that's okay. So it's, it's partly the people pleaser perspective, but it's also partly staying open for connections, but realizing that sometimes that's it. They're, they're going to be flat or they're not going to be as deep as you want, or the work isn't going to click and that's okay. And knowing that not every connection needs to be deep, doesn't need to be forever, doesn't need 
it's just going to be different depending upon what you're doing, but to still stay open to it regardless so that you don't have an expectation of it has to look like this, or it means this, because it could be different depending upon many, many scenarios, right? Yes. Thank you. The idea of not having expectations has there, is there an example of a time in your life where you've had an expectation about a connection that hasn't gone the way that you expected? A million times right? Like, and I think that expectation is this human experience that we all have where we buy into a construct of how things should look and we go after chasing that. And then sometimes when these things don't fit into them, they turn us upside down. And the constant lesson is not to not have boundaries and not to lower your expectations or put up with whatever, but just know that, you know, sometimes they're just not going to be met and that's okay. And finding peace and space that that's okay. So yeah, a million times, friendships, relationships, work, hundred times. And mostly when I look back on those failed connections or failed expectations, it's on me, right? It's, I put this unrealistic thing on top of it, or I wasn't listening, or I was putting this in the wrong place at the wrong time, but that's just self-work, self-awareness, and I think a huge part of connection so, so much is, is working on yourself to really understand those things, right? What do you want out of these connections? What do you have to give? I'm just, I'm chuckling to myself because you are like the world's biggest pragmatist and you're also the world's biggest like stoic, I think. And so it's so fascinating to talk to you about connection because I both agree with you and can't pull the threads. Yeah. And, you know, I think that I've fundamentally had a shift too in my approach to things in the last few years, for sure. And, you know, part of that has come from personal loss and, you know, the, I had a marriage breakdown, which was very difficult. And I had to release some control over some of the things in my life. I had to really look at how I showed up and what connection did mean to me. I had to let go of some things. I had to make space for new things. So it's funny to hear you describe that back to me in the sense that, you know, I have had to definitely evolve over the last few years. And I think that we always do. And and leading into COVID and all of the, the madness that's happened, I felt really weirdly prepared because my 2019 was my, you know, on my hands and knees getting the shit kicked out of me year 2020 looked okay compared to that you know so I think it's this idea of just evolving and that that can start to look different in, in all aspects of your life including the work we do how we connect all those things right and this idea that releasing control I wrote that down when you said that letting go making space but releasing control of your expectations of people and I guess in conjunction with that your expectations of yourself probably is pretty freeing. So freeing. I don't know that I would ever want to be friends almost with who I was before in some ways, you know, I could get quite twisty and uptight about things. And I did put expectations on relationships, on my work, on those types of things. And I will definitely say that releasing control has helped me in so many areas of my life in relation to connection work has come my way that's more aligned to me when I relinquished such tight control on expectations that I thought were you know the way I should perform in the work 
that I was doing in relationships. People have shown up in totally, completely different ways. New people have come into my life that I wouldn't have made space for before or that were completely unexpected. And I've let go of things that really weren't good for me, you know? Are you happy? Yeah, I'm totally happy. (laughs) Yeah, no, I totally am. And I think that for the first time in a long time, I'm just like, I'm just good enough, you know? And I don't mean that in that sort of self-deprecating, like, oh, I'm enough, it's fine. Like truly, I can sit in my space and say, yeah, I'm good enough. I've done enough. There's lots more to do for sure. But in this moment, I'm enough. I know I'm loved. I know I'm whole. I know that I deserve whatever comes into my life, that it's going to be good. And I've definitely adopted definitely a more positive, open mindset. And I think the connections I have have definitely deepened because of that. And sometimes scare me because I think I was very like, to your point, very stoic or pragmatic or, you know, figure out the formula, master the formula, repeat the formula, you know, you'll have success. And uh, yeah, that doesn't work (laughs) for me anyway. So you got to burn the house down and then like, oh, shit, right. (laughs) There's a different way. (laughs) That's so interesting because the context, I guess, is that we have known each other for a very long time, but the last two years have been totally transformational for you. And the last two years have been the time that I've been in the UK. So it's so interesting to unpick connection with you when I am sitting on the other side of your evolution still, and you're on this new side. And actually, what a gift to get to better understand that we talk about expectations what what are my expectations of what this conversation will be was around you know she'll have some pragmatic tips for what connection looks like I've definitely evolved I don't feel like maybe I was ever a stoic like I just did things to deal with what my circumstances were and how I had to cope in that. And now I just feel like I'm returned to myself in that I am a positive, optimistic person. I do really deeply love and care for people. You know, I can shoot rainbows out, out of me now again. And that's how I used to be, right? So I edited and audited myself so much to fit into what I needed to do. I was a version of myself that was in conflict, right? I don't know if that makes sense. It really does. And I think it was a label that you needed to get through a time that is done now. And so moving past that is a important part of it. You did mention the fact that you felt like you were a negative person. And I find that really interesting because I didn't feel that from you. Is that through self-reflection that you have identified that? Or was that through other people's perspective? How did you come to that realization? I don't know that I was negative so much as I was surrounded by a lot of negativity, So it sort of sucked a lot out of me and I kind of let that happen. That's my own accountability for sure. And I definitely bought into some ideas of how things needed to be and what success looked like for me, relationship-wise, career-wise. And I had a really difficult 2019 on the work front, on the personal front. And so that kind of just tossed all that upside down for me. So Not that I'd say, you know, I've always been a go-getter and I've always seen the best in people. I think that I just needed a bit more of a growth mindset around things and be less pessimistic sometimes, you know, and that 
it, it does come back to this idea of control because, you know, when you grip something so tight, it's like head's going to pop off, you know, that doesn't serve me very well. I could get a lot of shit done and people would fall into line and deliver. But, you know, sometimes when you ease up a little bit, you might be surprised what that means for the people around you, what that means for the space you create. And you also just chill out, which is kind of a good thing, you know? <laughs> so I'd say that I'm more relaxed and more, yeah, open and just more positive. You said that you bought into ideas of success. And I'm curious about that because I think we all do that to a certain extent. I'd love to hear a little bit more about, about what success looks like these days. To me, you know, I, I can't talk about success for me today with sort of backing it up a little bit in this idea that I did always feel like I had a lot to prove. As mentioned before, I aged out of the foster care system. So I already felt behind the eight ball and I really, really wanted to change that narrative in my life, especially as I became a mother and had daughters. So in order for me to change that narrative, I felt like I needed to have a very successful career. And, you know, by some standards, sure, I did that and others, no, you know, but I just chased this elusive sort of when I get this title, when I make this much money, when, you know, I meet these financial goals that, you know, I will have accomplished these things and I'm very goal oriented. So, you know, I do need that in my life to keep me motivated, but it just sort of took over to the point that I felt very trapped by it in some ways. And, you know, there isn't one way that success looks like. And because I felt this need to prove out that, you know, I was more than my upbringing or, you know, I needed to change the narrative for my children, that type of thing. It just sort of like spun out in me to the point that, you know, I did have a bit of a burnout. And so now success to me looks like, am I doing work that's meaningful? Can I take a breath from time to time? I don't care how much money I make. Obviously, I need to, you know, provide for myself and my family, but I want to really enjoy my life and I want to enjoy the work I do. I want to add value to my clients, to my children's lives, to my personal relationships. And I'm okay with that now. I don't care. I used to have this thing that was like, and I fought this for so, so long. Could I walk into a dinner party or into a big work conference and hand out my business card that said barista on it or stay-at-home mom or executive assistant? And in my mind, no way. Like, no, 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 no. It had to be a certain title. It had to be respectable. And now I don't care. I probably don't want to go to those parties anyways, but it just looks really different for me now. And I'm okay with it, finally. I, I could be a barista. I, I think they, they seem to have a lot of fun. <laughs> I mean, make a good coffee, right? Learn some great skills along the way. Do you wish that you'd figured it out sooner or do you think you needed to take the steps you did to learn it? I think it's all just part of the evolution of each person in your own time and in your own space. You know, I had a lot of healing I needed to do on a number of fronts and that just was what it was. So no, I don't look back on any of it. It's, it's a, been a great journey. I, I have lots to contribute now. And I'm so grateful for that. And 
I have really deep connections still, like I've had for 20 years longer, you know, in the workplace, I could call up a million people, a million, I could call up dozens of people and they would help me find work or solve a problem for me. And not just because I'm calling them for that. I also know their dog's name. And I also, you know, shoot the shit over a glass of wine from time to time. And that doesn't change. So no, I, I think I have a rich life because of all the experiences and, and I'm grateful for all of it. I think that there's something that certainly I can learn and that I have learned from you, but that many people could learn around what you said earlier about chasing the elusive, trying to prove yourself when ultimately you're just, you're not really proving yourself to anyone externally. It's very much about that internal approval at the end of the day. And maybe that's why it is elusive. That's why it never feels like you've got there, no matter what job title you have on your business card no matter what room you enter? For me, it was definitely what other people thought. It was, are they going to think that I'm good enough to be here? And if they were to find out how I grew up or what I went through, would they be surprised that I'm here today? Like, have I proven out that I'm not that? And that was motivation for me forever. And I don't have that motivation anymore. And I needed to change that because it wasn't healthy. It was making me more and more uptight, more and more stressed out, taking on more to prove and prove and prove and prove that I was like, at what point do you keep moving the marker? You know, oh, once I finish post-secondary, once I have children, once I get to this level of a company, once I make this kind of money, you know, that never changes. And unless you just circuit break it, you know, and say, I'm okay. And that's going back to, I'm not for everyone. That's okay. If, if I walk into a room and you don't think I add value, peace out, I'm good. Like I'll find somewhere else to be where I do add value because I know that I do. And I know that I'll be welcomed there. And that's the switch I've made is that it doesn't matter anymore. It matters what I sit with at the end of the day and say, have I contributed in a way that adds value to me and those I care most about? And that's it. That's the end for me. That looks like success for me now. I love that. Thank you. What do you think the connection will look like in five years time? I don't think it'll look any different. I think the principles are always the same. If you look back in time, you know, what people used to write letters, whatever way they used to connect, they still needed it. It was still the same. Do you see me? Do you hear me? Do I see you? Do I hear you? Whatever tool we use to do that, you know, who knows what that will look like. Maybe it's more digital tools. Maybe it's more tactical tools. I don't think that changes anything, the fundamental principles of connection. I, I, I think some will continue to embrace more digital means because it works for them and it allows, you know, think about even just you and I being able to connect like this. I think about when I was in my 20s traveling, you had to write letters. It took like a month to get somewhere if overseas, you know? So thank God for these tools to stay connected. Yeah, I don't think the principles will change at all. I hope they don't. The fundamental principles remaining is such a brilliant way to put it. Do you think that there is any change that has been precipitated as a result of the global pandemic that the world has experienced together when it comes to connection? Are there any imprints that you've noticed? I think it's at the forefront of people's mind now how much they need it. 
and how much some people don't feel seen and the things that they put value on work, status, business cards didn't really breed authenticity. So, you know, I think it's just made people hyper, hyper aware of when you take away the trappings of things sometimes, like what's left there and are you nurturing that or not? And are you being nurtured or not? Those are tough questions for people and they hurt if you haven't been operating in your life that way, right? So it can feel really painful. And like I said before, it's a muscle that takes practice. You don't just suddenly crave connection and get it. There's a story that I think, I don't know if this will be useful, but a friend of mine decided that they wanted to go into running their own little business. And so he called me up and said, will you come for lunch? I want to pick your brain about how you've managed to have a consultancy business for all these years. How do you get clients? So we sat down for lunch and He's like picking my brain. Like, how often do you, you know, meet people and what do you do? Like, what's the secret sauce? And it's so funny because I was like, just give a shit about the people around you. Like, give a shit about the people you work with, regardless of who they are all around you. Because for me, I've been really fortunate that people always just introduce me. People say, oh, you were great to work with on a personal level. They'll connect me with somebody else. And he wanted this formula. And I was like, just care about the people around you care. He's like, well, that doesn't make sense to me. I don't really get it. I was like, I can't explain it to you then. Because for me, I can't think of a referral that I've ever had that's come from my, you know, I don't even have a website. So that's not where it comes from for me. It's that people like me or people have connected with me or people know me and I know them. So they know where I might fit for them or with them. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I think during the pandemic, people have realized like sometimes there's no foundation there. I haven't nurtured enough or I haven't, you know, I've just been taking and taking and now I want or need something and there isn't anything there for me. And I think that's really going to be hopefully a shift that people start to make is you know, it's not just taking, it's giving. And when you give, it comes back to you. And you don't know when or how, but, and that doesn't matter, it will when it's needed in your space. And I believe that with every single thing in me, because I've had a million experiences that that proves out, you know, some random thing will come into my life that like I planted a seed and not intentionally, just because of, you know, life, that comes back and turns into the most beautiful thing. If you approach your life with that mindset, I just believe you will unfold in the most amazing way. Have I nurtured enough? What a question. Yeah, I don't think that I don't think that 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 answer is ever yes. Like I think that there is always more to nurture and it's do I nurture it in myself? Do I nurture it in others? Do I nurture it in the way that I take up space in the world? I think that constantly thinking in that mindset and not, I, I want to make sure that I'm not saying just give until you have nothing to give because sometimes it's nurturing yourself. Sometimes it's saying peace out, time out. I got to take care of me and that's, that's okay. And sometimes it's that the people around you need that. You know, I've struggled at times with mental health issues around depression, anxiety, like so many people have. And the one thing that gets me out of it is if I turn outward and nurture another, then sometimes I can break the thoughts that plague me when I 
empathetically stand and try to nurture another. And I think that the more we can try to do that for each other, the better, because all that happens is that person turns and more times than not will nurture me. And that I think is connection. It's the reciprocal nature of it. Right. And I think the why I love have I nurtured enough is exactly what you just said, because it comes back to the word that you used earlier, the idea that I am enough, I am full, right? But I think it's the idea that you can always add to the cup. If you are giving, you'll be receiving. So the cup will never empty if there is not a scarcity mentality. Exactly. I, I agree with you 100%. What is one piece of advice that you often pass on to others? God, you've given me a lot of great ones already. So I know I'm asking you to pull me out another. <laughs> I do really think that people show you who they are. It's up to you to believe them. And I tell that to my kids all the time. I try to tell that to myself all the time. And that goes back to expectations. That goes back to boundaries. That goes back to like all of it, right? People show you, you just have to stop and pay attention and believe them. And that's it. That's all we need to do with each other, you know, because everything beyond that becomes, I expect this of you. You're not enough for me. I'm not enough for you, etc. But they show you if you watch and listen. So I try to do more of that and less, you know, trying to make people fit into the boxes that I need or want or expect. What is it like being a mother to two women who are growing into adults and watching them mature. How has the wisdom that you have accumulated in your life impacted the way that you are viewing your own daughters today? Yeah, that asked me in 10 years on that one. Holy, I think, you know, letting them be their own little people is hard because you know, you see from this outsider's view, their strengths and their weaknesses, and you want to protect them and all of those things. I just try to show up the best version of me. And there's definitely been times when I have not done that. I try to own that when I do, but I think that showing them a happy version of me, a complicated version of me that isn't just black and white is important and going through hard things is part of life and it's okay and that we're always going to be here for each other no matter what the rest I got no idea like the things that come up sometimes were not things I dealt with in my you know earlier years or and so you know you sort of navigate it as you go I hope I raise kids that are resilient and kind and that ask a lot of questions and so far that's the case even though that's not always easy as a parent yeah I'm not sure I I would love to have the formula on that one (laughs) I think you know you said before that these things are practices and you said that there there is no you had to let go of the formula so maybe motherhood is also a practice not a formula Oh my gosh. Yeah. Progress, not perfection for sure. And I would never in a million years give parenting advice to anyone. I think that it's every person's journey looks different for everyone and it's bloody hard. (laughs) So yeah. You use the word resilient 
What does that word mean to you? To me, it means that you can do really tough things and know that it's all going to be solvable. You know, like there's very few things I think in life that aren't solvable in some way, shape or form, or that you can't turn to another person and get support for or get through. You, you, you know, our biggest fears are sometimes our biggest, you know, growth opportunities, but you get through them and they kind of like toughen you up a little bit. And I think resilience does speak a lot to empathy in the sense that if I go through things and I become a little bit more resilient, it will help me to understand where other people are coming from because I've been through it. You don't, you don't get resilient without having gone through the fire sometimes. So for me, it means that, you know, it's going to be hard, but you do it anyways. And you know that on the other side, it's going to be okay. Or that you have people or resources around you to help you solve it. But that has a mindset around it, right? I do believe that. I believe that I can figure out how to patch a drywall hole. <laughs> I don't know how to do that, but I'm going to figure it out. It's figure outable, right? It's, I can figure it out. And I think that applies to anything. It's just not always going to be easy. You know, I have been mulling over this idea that I hate the word resilient, but you might have changed my mind. I'll tell you why I hate the word because I have always considered it as a word that is not internal. It is not a word that, that people use to describe themselves. It's a word that people sometimes use to describe other people. And for me, it means they can just get on with it and they can move through the hard things without showing that it's hard. And I don't like that because I think that it sort of has maybe the same connotations to me as like the word strong. I think it puts more emphasis on praising people for going through terrible shit than it does for admitting that they're, like you said earlier, is black and white in that terrible shit, that there's good and there's bad and there's complexity to it. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm explaining it correctly. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see how you could define being resilient as almost waterproof, right? Like, it's like, oh, water off a duck's back. Shit happens. I'm fine. Next. I'm good. Doesn't affect me. That would be more my like old stoic mindset. But I, I don't look at it like that. I think that resilience doesn't mean you don't suffer. It doesn't mean that you don't go through the, the like, you know, the trough of sorrow and all of that darkness. It, what it means is that you have the ability to journey through that and that you will get through it. And that sometimes sitting in the suffer is just building strength for later, not in that moment. I don't think it means dismissing the pain or any of that. I think it means that in time, you're going to know more that you can get through hard things, that they will come, that you can do them, that you know they're going to suck, but that on the other side, because then what happens too is I would hate for my daughters to, you know, not feel they can face hard things and therefore avoid so many things in life that are going to be hard or going to be painful because they're too scared of what that might be. So for me, it's this idea of, you can do these things. We can get through these things. On the other side, it will feel better. And to me, that's resiliency and preparing for what might come. No different than you want to lift up heavy stuff. You got to 
build your muscles, you know, doesn't mean that heavy stuff's not going to come. So, and I think about personally in my own life, when I was younger, I had a lot of hardships and that has made me more equipped to handle things now that I see brings others to their knees, but that gives me empathy to be able to get down there with them and be like, this is going to be okay. We can get through this, or this is a plan or, you know, I see and I hear you let's figure it out. And I think when I approach my daughters, that's always where I come from. I'm here for you. We'll figure it out. It's going to be hard, but we got it. I don't even know what that could look like, but you know, we figure it out. And I want them to have that mindset. To me, that's resiliency. Yes. I think you've changed my mind. I think resilience to me always felt like it was like, oh, well, they're just really good at suffering. And being good at suffering isn't a badge of honor, but being able to move through suffering and create light out of darkness is maybe closer to resilience. And I can, I can get behind that. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think that resilience is hand in glove with empathy sometimes too, right? Like once you build up this idea that you can get through hard things you are more inclined to recognize in others when they are going through something hard and that maybe they need that person in their corner that they might not have. Again, that's nurturing, that's giving outwardly, that's empathy. Yeah. You said, we talked about it at the beginning. I asked you if we, if there was a need for interconnection in order to create external connection. We talked around it, but from this conversation, it feels like the answer is yes, that the work that you have done, at least from where I sit looking at you, correct me if I'm wrong, the work that you have done on yourself and the work that you have grown into, the new you that you've grown into has allowed for deeper connection. And that came from you. Well, I think in all areas of life, if you don't know what you're doing or why you're doing it or who you are, you're just going to flail out at sea. So for sure, I think starting at home base is important and making sure that you know who you are and that you do, you know, work on yourself always too. giving and nurturing yourself is, is always a key component. And I think there's so much more language coming out around that and understanding of that. And it makes me really happy because there's been such a focus on external what things look like and maybe we're all taking a collective look inward to see what's there and yeah I think that that always starts with you and then you are able to give or you are able to understand what you need and how that looks for you and that takes constant practice and evolution what I needed five years ago might look different than what I need five years from now or today right so yeah yes starting with yourself is important I have one question for you and then I'll give you the final question. So two questions. You mentioned nurturing yourself. What do you do to nurture yourself? I had someone tell me a couple of years ago that I'm like a walking ball of energy, which I know. And I always have a zillion things. I'm like a squirrel, just a million ideas, a million conversations, a million open tabs, if you would. Right. And I've discovered that for me, I need to take that energy and I need to push it out. So sometimes that's being productive and doing a job or a task. Sometimes it's just running and 
being outdoors and being on my bicycle and physically moving my body. So as long as I'm expelling my energy outward in a positive way, that's number one for me. Take the energy and move it out in whatever form that looks like. And so I do try to do that something physical every single day. That's hugely important for me. And probably the number one is being in nature, trying to be moving in nature every day. That would be the number one. What else do I do? I do spend a lot of time and energy on the people in my life. And so whether that's texting with people or talking with people or, you know, checking in with people, for me, that makes me feel good. And I like to nurture others. So I feel like that nurtures me too. So I really enjoy that. I like other sort of self-care things. I like wine and baths, petting my dog, (laughs) reading books, (laughs) you know, like, but I definitely, my number one is moving my body in some way every day to push energy out so I can receive and being nurturing to those around me in some capacity every day. I love that. That's great advice. And I think you don't realize sometimes how important it is to move or to allow yourself to output that energy. Even if you aren't a ball of energy, I think the value of movement cannot be understated. The value of not allowing your body to stagnate, you know, or your mind, I think is is something that we've all been maybe struggling with a little bit over lockdown, but it sounds like you've nailed I'm really fortunate because I love being outside. And so for me, that's a natural place to put my energy. You know, I can hop on my bike and expel a bunch of energy and I'm just completely reset. I'm so fortunate that it wasn't affected by COVID. I could get outside and ride my bike. Some people don't like that or don't have access to a bike or live in a space to be able to do that. I'm very, very lucky uh, to live in a place where I can do that very free and comfortably. So for me, that's been everything to get me through. But yeah, moving your energy out is very important. And I think, you know, I used to look at energy as like you take it all in and then, you know, I'd get all pent up and it would kind of overflow. And that, that was sort of the visual I would have with it. And now my visual is I let it flow through me. Like I go outside and I move it out of me. Doesn't, I don't really get to decide what moves in and out of me, but I move that energy out of me. And then I have more space to take on the other things that are, you know, needed externally or that I'm working through internally, but just that continual flow of keeping the energy moving through physical activity, which has absolutely helped my mental health. Like I don't feel like I usually am seasonally affected. I haven't been this year because I've very heavily committed to moving my body every single day. Right. I I do try to like eat really well, but that is the number one critical piece for me Uh, And I don't look at it now as the way I look or any of that. It's that if I don't work out or get outside, I get so pent up now that I'm like, I recognize it so much more. It's like, oh, you got to move some of this out, girl. And then you're going to feel better. And I've never not felt better. (laughs) So That is a great piece of wisdom. I just started running this year and we'll talk about it. I'm sure more length, but what a crazy realization it was that like running is not to be thin, which is what I was conditioned to believe as a woman running is for my brain. And when I shifted that perspective, I shifted so much in my life and I'm not fast and I don't go for very long and that's okay because that's not what it's for, for me. But the impact that it has on my mind is, is insane to think about. 
Yeah, just like that elevation of your heart rate, that movement of your blood through your body, and even just the stimulation that you get from, from physically moving your body over your brain. Yeah, it definitely changes the way um, you think about fitness and about the whole female conditioning around if you don't look good in your tights, then why are you doing it? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it's for my brain. I run for my brain. Someone needs to make that shirt. Maybe it exists. I don't know. Last question for you, Tara. In true paper napkin fashion, who should we connect with next and what makes them a great connection? Well, we have a mutual former colleague, Jamie Wood, who I think would be amazing to connect with. She's an entrepreneur, mom, just like a female champion. She wants all of us to do our best, to be our best. She is the most positive, most growth mindset has had so many challenges thrown in front of her, especially during COVID, but has risen above them with just a positive mindset. So I would suggest her and she's just, yeah, all around amazing woman. I love Jamie. Thank you for recommending Jamie. That is amazing. I can't wait to talk to her and I have so enjoyed, so enjoyed talking to you. Thank you for sharing your experiences the hard stuff and the gritty stuff and the growth stuff. I think I've learned a ton from you in our lives together, but a ton from you in the last hour. Yeah. Thanks. It was great to be on your podcast. Thank you so much for listening and continuing to be a part of our growing community. It honestly makes me so excited to know that other people are listening and enjoying these conversations as much as I am. If you have a moment reviewing us on Apple podcasts really helps us to get in front of more people. And I'd be forever grateful either way until next time. Be kind.